We're going over to London. You sound like you're from London. Okay, we're going to Big Ben. That is really bad. <laughs> that, I'm glad you're not doing that on a regular show because you would offend all of our viewers on Sky Sports in the UK and in Ireland. That's horrible. Oh, yeah. Okay. You know what time it is. It's Mike Florio, PFT, PM podcast, Chris Sims, unbuttoned collaboration. Um, we have more games from London this week. You sound like y'all from London. Uh, it's a great hey, scene in Forgetting Sarah Marshall. You need to see that, okay? It's a good yeah, one. I, yeah, I only watch good movies. And it's, I'm glad we got this thing started. I got sick of listening to you complain about all the stuff you have to do. Yeah. We don't work for a living. Right. We are playing in the toy department. This is fun. People would kill to have this job. Oh, Quit gosh. complaining, Just Sims. fucking b- with that bullshit statement it's work i fucking work all day long and i've had pride in it so fuck off with that shit okay holy crap all right all right let's go let's go i like this Sims. here we go it's week six okay florio last week straight up you were eight and seven straight up i was ten and five you were yeah well, you can shove it straight up your ass yeah the straight up good was good don't worry this is where it goes up my ass and it goes sideways okay you were eight and seven against the spread yes i you were eight and seven against the spread very good by you i was five eight and two against the spread that is pretty horrible best bet you know why because every game you pick the favorite to win and the underdog to cover every (laughs) game that's why now do you understand why you shouldn't do that yeah you're right i get you're you're right i mean i don't know what else to say i'm really most concerned about picking the games the right way straight up i find that hard enough let alone being able to pick the spread anyways. And as you know, and I've said many times, I just pick the games and the scores, and I don't look at the spread until afterwards. But either way, best bets, we you were, both hey, won hey, New England. You, let me just add this. Yeah. You were 1-5 in five last week when you tried to thread the needle by taking the underdog to cover and the favorite to win straight up. 1-5. Yeah. yeah, I know. I, I guess I need to start looking at that and maybe changing that a little bit because it's certainly not working out, Okay. Um, we both went with New England, best bets. Will we both go New England again this week? I mean, it's hard hey, not hey, to. Hey, wait, 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 wait a minute. I'm throwing the flag here. Right. You, you got, they got me down as losing Seattle and Pittsburgh on best bets. I'm two and one. Pitt, Pittsburgh only lost by three. The spread was three and a half. I want that changed. I want that changed now. Okay, yeah. that All well, right. that's Pete, uh, Pete, aka Mr. Mom. I just had two, two twins, and one, boom, and I can't fucking count anymore because he's sleep deprived, so he couldn't figure <laughs> that out. I mean, two, two. Wait. I was two and one last week in best bets. Hey, good for you. That was a good job uh, getting that that uh, Baltimore win. Way to go. I mean, that threading the needle there. You uh you lost the Seattle game, which was very close as well. Uh, that I was a heartbreaker. Point. Yep. I'm glad you lost. And uh, I took the Bears and the Falcons, and that's what you do when you lose when you pick shit teams like that who you can't trust on the offensive side of the ball. So I deserve that. L- let me just say this. Yes. Let me say this. I don't bet. I won't bet. I have no need to bet, especially now that we're betting against the spread and we have a competition. I was crazed last Thursday night 
watching that game, I know rooting you for were. the Seahawks. And and I kept trying to figure out once it was thirty to twenty nine, under what scenario the Seahawks could score another point. And that damn Tedrick Thompson interception that they didn't call an interception, even though it clearly was an interception, he could have run that thing in. And then I'm thinking, well, what is there some way that there's a point? Is this Canadian football? Is there a way that the Seahawks can just get one more freaking point? Can they right. block the field goal yes. at the end of the game and run it in for a touchdown? Right. It's crazy. So I, I don't know how people do it when they actually have money riding on it. It drove me nuts. No. I, it took me two hours to fall asleep after that game. It is. It's stressful. And yeah, you did not want to give it up because you kept group texting us uh, as it went on. <laughs> how can they cover the spread? Uh, so yes. And um, so thank you for that great insight there and wasting another two minutes of our lives. Okay, here we go. Oh, I got to go. We got to go. I got to go to Notre Dame and I got to work hard. Oh, let's get this done. I got to go home and pack my clothes. Gosh, damn. It's so I can't believe I have to do this show with you. First off, you look good in your all black. Way to go. Uh, that's a very nice color for you. Um, you just wanted to copy me today because you saw me earlier in all black. So you're like, man, he yeah, looks exactly. Good. Let me do that. Yeah. Straight up uh, in the season. That's exactly. You're 42 and 35 and one. I'm one game back with 41, 36 and one. I think both of us are pathetic there. And then with the against the spread, you're 36, 40 and two. I am 28, 45 and two. That is absolutely horrible. Best bets six and six. And I'm disappointed in that as well. I'm going to give, of course, we're going to give our. I'm seven and five. The stats have not been reflected to correct the scoring error. Seven and five. Yep. Pete, a.k.a. Mr. Mom, can't count. So we got that. Okay. Um, We will do our three best bets recap at the end. And I'm really going to give my one. Okay. I'm going to give my one that I like. I got four games right now for my best bets. And I got to I got to cancel one of them out. And it's not going to be easy because I feel pretty good about all four of these this week. All right. Let's start with the greatest Thursday night showdown we've ever seen. The Daniel Jones, New York Giants versus the greatest franchise and greatest quarterback coach combination we have ever seen in the history of the sport in New England. Windy night game. Patriots are going to win. How much are they going to win by? Oh, they're going to win big. The spread is 16 and a half as of right now. It should be bigger than that. I've got Patriots 34, Giants 13. The Giants don't have Saquon Barkley. They don't have his backup, Wayne Gallman. They don't have tight end Evan Ingram. They don't have Sterling Shepard. And they're walking into a buzzsaw for Daniel Jones. So this the only thing that could keep this under the number would just be the Patriots deciding to just run the ball, run the ball, not have Tom Brady throw it very much, not really just kind of suffocate and run out the clock and get out of town with the win and have their mini buy. But, but I think even then they'll end up, they could sleepwalk to a 20 point victory tonight. I think this should be very easy for the Patriots. It's uh, you know, we've been spoiled by great Thursday night games. This should not be a Thursday night game to remember and uh, it would take a disaster for the Patriots for that to happen yeah I agreed I think you said all the right points the only thing I go I guess that just I look at to go maybe this stays within 16 or that range it's just that if it gets so windy and maybe rainy that it does become hard for a guy like Brady who's really historically been unaffected by weather like that but if it does get that nasty then maybe that does slow the pace of the game down you hit all the right points come on the Patriots defense is special 
until the Giants offense has got issues. It's not only a rookie quarterback, but there's injuries everywhere. So that's concerning. And the Giants defense is not good. So I'm with you. We got to give a shout out, okay, to Chris K. Music. He was the closest last week on the Thursday night football score. He said Seattle 30 to 27. Of course, it was Seattle 30 to 29. And for all those out there, Thursday night football underdogs are 5 and 0 this year. Okay? They are 5. They're going to be 5 and 1. They are going to be 5 and 1. What's your score? I'm going 34-10 Patriots. 34-13, as already mentioned. Oh, it's all right. I didn't hear you say that. My fault. Okay. Let's move on to a game that was uh, kind of the the start of this great Thursday night football run that we saw. Panthers at the Buccaneers. over in London, they're playing there. That's going to be awesome. I love the 9.30 start Eastern time because it is great to wake up and have some football to watch early in the morning and do that. Panthers favored by two in London, over under at 47. What say you, Florio? Yeah, I think the Panthers win the game. The Panthers lost to the Buccaneers in week two. That was the night that Cam Newton was clearly injured, and the only people who didn't realize it were the Panthers' coaches. They didn't use Christian McCaffrey the way they should. He had 16 carries for 37 yards, two catches for 16 yards. I think they're going to unleash McCaffrey. He did miss practice on Wednesday. Now, they called it a veteran day off just for rest purposes, but they listed him as having a back injury, so we need to keep an eye on that. He's got to fly to London, and who knows whether the flight causes inflammation or you know makes it an issue but McCaffrey should be able to carry the Panthers I think the Panthers win the game it should be close I still have the Panthers covering by one I feel good about that the Buccaneers are going to slide to two and four the Panthers are going to move to four and two and they are going to be in the mix to win the NFC South if there's one false move by the Saints the Panthers are going to be there even without Cam Newton because as Christian McCaffrey goes the Panthers will go and that defense is good enough to keep them in every game they play yeah that's right the that's where it starts, I think, the conversation there. I just think of that Tampa Bay offense versus that Panthers defense. Panthers defense, one of the better units in all of football. If there is a weakness, maybe rushing defense to a degree, but I don't think Tampa Bay is a good enough running football team to really expose that weakness, okay? And I have been really impressed with uh, the Panthers' ability to rush the passer as of late. I, I really am. It's kind of taken their defense to another level. It seems like Dante Jackson, the corner, is going to be back healthy playing this game. So that will be big as far as just matching up. And the other side of the ball, um, you know, I don't expect a lot of points from the Panthers either. You know, it's going to be the Christian McCaffrey show, a few completions and gadget plays here here and there. Kyle Allen's done a nice job. He's not reinventing the wheel. He's kind of just taking what's there to be had. I don't think he's anything special as far as a quarterback talent, but the Bucks' defense is not special either, and their pass defense is certainly not special. I mean, I don't know where it ranks, but it's got to be really far down there, and I'll tell you right now, if you're listening, it's the worst pass defense in football. Um, now, they can stop the run, but I just think with the weapons, the way they can use McCaffrey in the past game, Kyle Allen being just good enough. I think the Panthers won a close one, 20 to 17 uh, in London. It's uh, a close one, fun game, but I think the Panthers, like you're saying, are going to are going to win it. Let me make one more quick observation Please about do. that early Sunday game. This is the only one this year. The NFL started doing it a few years ago. One thing that I've realized yeah. by watching early Sunday morning football, I no longer watch any of the pregame shows. None of them. Once you watch 
a game of football and get through that morning without watching any of the pregame shows, you realize you don't need the morning pregame shows because all the information you could ever need is available to you online. All of it. Well, and, I mean, you know, specifically to you and I, I mean, we talk about this shit all week. So what the fuck are we going to learn on a damn pregame show anyways? (laughs) You know, I mean, I just, I I love my dad and I tune in because I like to watch my dad on CBS. But, uh, yeah, I mean, we're we're consumed with it. That's all we talk about. So sometimes I just want to be like, ah, shut up, everybody. I've heard enough football this week. I can't hear it anymore. Let's let the games begin. Okay. We I bo- got 24-21 in that one. And uh, so we both have the three-point spread by the Carolina Panthers. 24-21, you got 20-17. And, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. I yeah. wouldn't bet on that one. I don't feel real no. comfortable. That's that's too close to call. That could be one stupid mistake by Jameis Winston or Kyle Allen, and your bet could fall apart. Okay. The Bungles at the Ravens, okay? Baltimore coming off a, a tough win in Pittsburgh. The Cincinnati Bengals, um, who the hell did they play? Oh, that's right. They lost the Arizona Cardinals last week. They're, they are underdogs by 12 points. Ravens, 12-point uh, favorites, over and under at 47.5. This is the start of our 1 p.m. game, Mike. How much do you see the Ravens winning this game by? Yeah, you know, I still feel like NFL bettors and the betting lines don't reflect how big the margin is between the good teams and the bad teams. And and look, the line is driven by the betting. And I think bettors, like, you know, they, they like the idea of taking the 12 points or taking the 17 points. And I think they'll learn over time there is a gap between the good teams and the bad teams. And those numbers will move higher and higher. I like the, the Ravens in this one, 27-13. It could get uglier than that. The Ravens, uh, they're not going to lose focus. And, and, and the Bengals, just I, they've lost their way. I was stunned that they lost the game last week at home to the Cardinals just because they don't have a lot of games on the schedule that you can look at and say, that should be a win. And there's one fewer now after losing at home to the Cardinals. It's going to be a long, ugly season for the Bengals. They had 15,000 empty seats in their first home game. 20,000 in their second, and it's going to get worse and worse. They got three home games in December. There may be no one there by the time week 17 rolls around. Yeah, no, the Bengals are a disaster. They're not very good. There's not a lot to look at on their roster that's, uh, you know, scary, scares you, whatever way it is. I mean, there's some offensive weapons there. But their offensive line's so bad, and I think Andy Dalton's so average that they can't even really take advantage of their offensive weapons completely. And then their defense is uh, atrocious. And their defense is, if not the worst running defense in all of football, they're certainly right up there in the conversation. I think they might be second to last, and the, and the Miami Dolphins are last. And that's not good when you're playing the Baltimore Ravens, who we know are going to run the football. And they have two sledgehammers who run it up at the middle, and Ingram and uh, the other damn guy, you know, Edwards. And then you got a guy like Lamar Jackson who gets out on the edge. He's really their edge-type run guy. I do worry about Baltimore's pass offense. Do we know the status of um, Hollywood Brown. Do you, have you seen that, Mike? Because I know he was battling a little foot injury. That bothers me. But not enough either way to where it's going to make me determine who I pick the game. I saw the Ravens were favored by 12. I have the Ravens winning 27-14. The one thing I just – the Bengals so desperate, so horrible – You know, I'm giving them that just like a two tokens touchdowns. They're not scared of the Ravens. I can at least say that they're a team that's shown that aspect, um, but clearly outmanned here. And I think the Ravens win comfortably 27 to, to 14. Hollywood Brown did not practice on Wednesday with 
an ankle injury. A lot of guys didn't practice, some getting rest, but a lot of them banged up. And Marquise Brown, no practice due to an ankle. Mark Andrews, star tight end, no practice due to a shoulder. But still, and and there is something about the Ravens this year that they kind of lost week three, and they've been struggling to get it back. I mean, they easily could have lost that game to the Steelers on Sunday, and they would be two and three. The Steelers would be two and three, and the Browns would be two and three. But this just feels like one of those games where – when they're clearly the better team, they don't screw around, and they're going to feast on the Bengals come Sunday. Yeah, I feel the same way. And, uh, yes, thought they outplayed the Steelers, but you're right. There was uh, certainly opportunities for the Steelers to, uh, to steal away that game in general, uh, and the Ravens need to get back on track. Uh, their biggest issue for me is their defensive team speed. I do worry about that. No great pass rushers. Middle linebackers aren't special that way. Safeties without Tony Jefferson, him being hurt, that bothers me. Earl Thomas has lost a gear at least. Uh, they have good corner play, but I do worry about their team speed in general, especially with Hollywood Brown. If he's not in, that changes things for their offense because he is their one guy that scares people deep. But that's enough about that game. We know who's going to win. Okay, here's uh, one of the exciting games from 1 p.m. Seahawks. Browns. Browns lay an egg. Seahawks coming off, you know, extra rest because of that Thursday night game where they were fortunate as well to beat the Rams. I mean, there, there was one of those games where they controlled it. They lost control. They controlled it again. Then you went, oh my gosh, they're still going to lose. And they got lucky with the missed field goal. Um, how do you see this one playing out, Mike? Uh, just so I, Seahawks are favored by one and a half points over under at 46. If the Browns are so inconsistent, it's always risky to pick against them because this may be the week that it all falls together. But I think there are some flaws in that offense that are being exposed one week at a time. Pete Carroll and the Seahawks defense are good enough to take advantage of that. Baker Mayfield gets hurried. He escapes the pocket, I think, too late. He's throwing off of his back foot too often. He's locking onto Odell Beckham Jr. for too long when Beckham is taken away. Beckham's frustration is starting to affect the offense. I think there's just too many factors lining up against the Browns, and this is not the team you want to be facing when you're trying to get right after the long flight home from L.A. or from San Francisco, close enough, cross country, and you've got that factor of short week for the Browns, long week for the Seahawks, and I think the Seahawks keep pushing forward. They won in Pittsburgh earlier this year, and they complete the AFC North road sweep by going to Cleveland and beating the Browns. I've got it 24-20. Seahawks one-and-a-half-point favorite, so I've got them covering as well. Uh, we'll see whether or not that's one of the best bets. I've been on the Seahawks the past few weeks, but they burned me last week by a half point, so maybe not this week. But I think the Seahawks more than a point and a half better than the Browns. Yeah, I, I mean, I look at a, a you said a lot of good things there. I mean, the Seahawks going across the country playing that one o'clock time zone thing. I don't think it matters to them. Pete Carroll always seems to have that team ready to go no matter what time zone they're in. Um, there's a few things I think that concern me a little bit in the matchup. I do think the Browns, of course, will put up a better showing. Um, but I think this is what concerns me uh, more than anything. The Browns, their run defense, we saw some issues there. Well, the Seahawks are one of the better running teams in football. They're going to continue to be patient with the run game. And, you know, then on the outside, they're an aggressive throwing football team that way with Russell Wilson and DK Metcalf and Moore and Lockett. Sneaky good receivers up there in Seattle right now. Not the most creative offense, but they will attack your secondary deep outside the numbers, wherever it is. They make you defend the field, of course, with Russell Wilson scrambling so big, too. Other thing, I just go, when I flip around to the other side, you know, I worry about the Browns. I don't think they're going to be able to run against the Seattle Seahawks defense, which is phenomenal against the run. You can throw 
against the Seahawks, Mike. Like, those one-on-one matchups on the outside certainly favor the Cleveland Browns. But can the Cleveland Browns pass protect against an uh, you know an oncoming pass rush that's finding its way? Jadeveon Clowney, you know, I think he's starting to show up more and more because he's finally gotten into shape. He didn't do anything all training camp. We got to remember that. So he's really just rounded into form. Same with Ezekiel Anza. Same thing for him. Where you know last week he popped up watching the game too. I think he'll only get better. So I worry about that with the Browns. I think the Browns put up a spirited effort, but I'm going like with you, Seahawks 24-20. Let me ask you a question. Yeah. We saw Jared Goff last Thursday night play very well against yes, we the Seahawks did. defense. Right. And a lot of it was quick decisions, quick throws, wide open guys. And, and some of that has to be scheming by Sean McVay to make guys open underneath. Right. right? How much of that can Freddie Kitchens take and sit down with Baker Mayfield on a short week? When you've got a five-day turnaround by the time you get home on Tuesday, how much of that can you can you feed to Baker Mayfield and say, this is the kind of thing we need to do? Quick decisions. Get the ball out. Let's come up with some plays where guys are open underneath. You talk all the time about coming up with ways to get easy completions yeah. for a quarterback to get him rolling. Right. I don't see the Browns doing that. No, is I, Freddie Kitchens wise to consider something like that for Sunday against the Seahawks? Yeah, well, I, I do think he's wise. Now, there, there's an inventory of plays you can always run against that Seattle defense. You hear me say it because it's so all over the NFL. There's there's like, there's like literally a phrase in the NFL. Where was it Monday night? Where was it Monday night against the Seattle defense? Yeah, well, you know what? They never really got to get into it. You know, They never got to really play their game just because they got down so quickly and then Baker Mayfield struggled they never got to stay really consistent with the run game and I don't think they ever really got to get into a flow of the football game but whether they have those Seattle beaters yes Mike I don't know if they do that's a big question certainly they're gonna need them but the biggest thing and more than anything with Baker Mayfield being a little off of his game as of late not throwing the ball great not great in the pocket as far as pocket presence where to move seeing lanes seeing people um, I just think the biggest thing the Browns need to get get to and stay with is Baker Mayfield under center, running the ball. What made him so successful at the end of last year was them running the ball and then doing play-action pass where he got to set up deep behind the line of scrimmage, where the pass rush wasn't as, a, as effective as far as getting into his vision and being around him because of the play-action pass. Those are the things they can do to stress out that Seattle defense, and that was a big part of what the Rams did to Seattle last week too. They play that three deep zone Seattle. So when you play in three deep zone and you run the ball, those linebackers come up to do their run fakes and then they got to drop back into their zone coverages. Well, if you stay with the run and have those run fakes, that's when you can get Jarvis Landry and Odell Beckham Jr. Like we saw last week, it was, you know, Gerald Everett and Cooper Cup who got behind those linebackers off of the play action pass fake. We'll see how effective they can be doing it. Uh, But either way, we both like the Seahawks to win that game uh, on the road. Let me, let me ask you one more question. Yeah, sure. Because I think this is one of the bigger games of the week, so I think we can spend a little more time yeah, on this. Cool. Do we think that Baker Mayfield's development has been affected by the fact that the guy who was so responsible for getting the most out of Baker Mayfield last year, Freddie Kitchens, is now responsible for the whole team and maybe not able to work with Mayfield as much as he did last year? Uh, I mean, I, I don't know. I think there's probably some truths to that. I do. Also, you know, I I do think, you know, Freddie Kitchens needs to stay strong to his convictions and what he believes in the offensive side of the ball, too. You know, I do think they've gotten into a little bit of uh, 
and I don't know this. This is total speculation. This is just off my film study of uh, him curtailing the offense a little bit to maybe what Baker Mayfield likes too much. And, you know, hey, I understand you got to do that to a degree, but this is a team that's not built and can't withstand, like, being in the shotgun and throwing the ball 35 to 40 times a game and doing that stuff. So Baker Mayfield's going to have to adjust his game a little bit to what's best for the team overall. And I think that's one issue they're a little bit in between on in the games I've seen. It's, oh, it's shotgun, but, man, we want to get in the power run. But Baker likes the shotgun, and he can get the ball out and do things like that. Yeah, but they can't pass protect that well. And I still think the offensive passing game is finding its way where the run game I have more confidence in. And I really think could have had some success last week if uh, the game just didn't get out of hand. One last thing to watch in that game. Yeah. Baker Mayfield looks a little puffy this year, doesn't he? And I just wondered, is it affecting his mobility? Is he maybe tired in the second half? Because he, he may, you know, and there's that, that, that balance. You put on weight so yeah. you can withstand the hits right. versus you go lean so you can run away from the hits. And he just looks a little puffier this year than last year. I, I agree. He does look thicker. There's no question about it. And is it affecting his mobility? Maybe to a degree. I don't think where it's really affecting him in my eyes is just the the pop with his feet and the pop with his arm in the pocket. You know, everything does seem a hair sluggish or elongated this year to me to a degree. And I think that's why we've seen like Odell Beckham Jr. on a 20-yard out route early on in that 49er game where the ball goes, you know, five feet over his head to where Odell can barely get a finger on it in time. So there is some issues there with with uh, Baker. Certainly not playing his best football. And uh, if you're a Browns fan, you're hoping that kind of rounds into form because they're going to need it. And uh, some of the things I was concerned about him coming out in the draft are rearing its ugly head. You know, the first guy's not open, panicking in the pocket and leaving, or the pocket collapsing and then just getting out of the pocket for no reason where, no, just step up. There's there's little lanes like Brady, like we talk about so much, to step up and find a cozy place to throw the football. Uh, that is concerning to me right now with Baker Mayfield. And uh, you're right, that's one of the games of the week. I'm excited to see that. Okay, another sneaky good game. Teddy Bridgewater, Saints, going to the Jacksonville Jaguars. Gardner Minshew, Teddy Bridgewater. Jaguars are favored by one point. Okay, and the over-under is at 44. I gotta, I can't lie. I was, uh, I was shocked to see that the Jaguars were favored by one. Yeah, I was too. I, you know, the Jaguars are at two and three, and it's not like they have a great home field advantage that you would say, oh, that's a huge difference for them to be playing the game in Jacksonville. I think the Saints are the better team across the board. The Jaguars have potential, but you look at what the Saints have done since their starting quarterback has gone out, and you look at what the Jaguars have done since theirs has exited. Now, the Jaguars should have won the game in Houston. They got screwed by the absence of enough cameras to give them the win when they went for two, but still... The, 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 I feel like the Saints right now are operating on a higher level than the Jaguars. And you're going to give me a point? I'll take the point because I think the Saints win this game straight up. I think Teddy Bridgewater and Sean Payton working together come up with the right game plan. That's what Teddy told me after last week's game. Every You know, there's this thought that that Teddy Bridgewater in his third game as a starter was at a comfort level where he would throw the ball down the field more. The truth is, it was just what the matchup dictated. Exactly. If they had played the Buccaneers in his first game, he would have thrown the ball down the field more right. because that's what the matchup dictates. And Sean Payton is the master of 
looking at where the 11 guys are on defense, figuring out where to put his guys, augmenting that with any new ideas that may filter into his brain when he looks at everything that happened last week in the NFL for other teams. And and he's going to come up with a game plan, and the Saints know how to execute it. And and look, I, I still like the Jaguars to maybe find a way to, to work their way to the top of the division. We're not ready to abandon that, but I, I feel like the Saints, a team I didn't believe in before the season started, I believe now, and I think they'll win. Yeah, uh, uh, I mean, you said a lot of good things. I think the, the thing that jumps out to me, you know, the Jaguars, no Jalen Ramsey, or maybe he does play. That would be a huge boost for their team if he does because he certainly would be able to be that matchup guy against Michael Thomas. Uh, and, and that would go a long way to making maybe me feel a little more comfortable about the Jaguars slowing the Saints down. you know. But I think ultimately the Jaguars' scheme being a little predictable on defense, uh, Sean Payton, uh, his creativity – Bridgewater, you said everything correctly. He's comfort comfortable now. I think they found the right formula, uh, and they will continue to do that. And the other thing is, you know, the Saints haven't run the ball as good this year, but they still run the ball, and Sean Payton never loses sight of that in his offense. The Jaguars have issues with run defense. You know, a lot of speed up front, but not necessarily all the big guys you need to clog running lanes, and sometimes they move so aggressively slanting and stunting this way that they can be gashed in the run game, and we've seen that a, a few times this year. So I worry about that, and the Saints' defense has changed. First off, the Jaguars want to run the ball first. You're not running on the Saints, at least not up the middle. I can tell you that. If you run at their front four, you know, night-night, it ain't happening. Your only chance to run is to maybe, you know, block everybody down and toss it outside, do stuff like that. But the, the, the Saints have changed their approach on the defensive side of the ball as far as not playing so much man-to-man, -man. and that's really ultimately what makes me feel comfortable about picking them in this game as well. They can match the Jaguars' physicality. I like the Saints 28-20 to in this one, uh, and really – you know, I like Gardner Minshew and the things he's doing. I just think the Saints match up really well with what, what the uh, Jaguars want to do. Yep, I agree with you completely. And uh, What was your score look, for that Saints, one? I know you said you My like score for that was 27-17 Saints. They'll move to 5-1, and one, and we're still trying to figure out the best team in the NFC, and the Saints have as good an argument as anyone else to that title. I think I was right about my quarterback rankings. Kurt Warner was wrong. Drew Brees is not the number two quarterback in football. I would just like to state you, that. You, try, you, you wanted to jam that into PFT Live today, but I you did. didn't have an opening. I knew you were going to jam it in today yeah, to this. Well, yeah, there it is. I think uh, maybe my 9 and 10 weren't correct with Brady and Breeze, but I was closer than Kurt Warner, who says they're 1 and 2. I don't know that's but, wrong. So, But you have since self-scouted yourself and yes. admitted you had Brady too low. Yes, Brady should have been around like 6 or 5, somewhere in that range. Probably really 6, was because that was pre-Andrew Luck retiring so yes I should not have him nine I should have had him at six but for anybody that's watching football I don't know how you could watch it right now and think that Breeze or Tom Brady are on the same level as Mahomes Watson Russell Wilson or Aaron Rodgers I got it you're you're not evaluating the quarterback position if that's the case you're taking the whole team and giving the quarterback credit that's the case in that one um, so I just had to say that and I uh, just wanted to shoot that way towards Kurt uh, so somebody can at him with that one. Okay. Now, Texans, Chiefs. Okay. Um, this is... There's some good games at 1 o'clock on Sunday. It? It's awesome. And the great thing is there's six games at 1 o'clock. 
really only five because nobody's going to watch the Redskins versus the Dolphins. So I really only have to watch five games at one o'clock. But Texans at Chiefs. Chiefs favored by five points. Chiefs got injury issues. Coming off the loss against the Colts. A little banged up. A little worried about them. Texans looked good last week. Um, who do you got, Mike? Over under 54.4. Chiefs favored by five. What do you got? Yeah, I like the Chiefs in this one just because I think there is going to be that extra motivation to bounce back from what happened on Sunday night. I know it may be easier said than done, especially because defenses are gradually putting together the blueprint for slowing down the Chiefs offense. And Patrick Mahomes has the ankle. He said on Wednesday that that it's 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 yes it's sprained but it's good enough and and he's worked through a sprained ankle earlier this year and was still himself now it could always be aggravated during the game which would change everything but I like the Chiefs at home in this when the idea of them losing two straight home games the idea of their offense being held under 20 points for two straight games that seems a little far-fetched for me I think they'll find a way to get it done sometimes when you encounter that adversity early season it gets you to come together but we've seen Andy Reid coach teams in recent years start off great and then start to crater. They need to avoid that. They can't let the streak run to two. They've got to get it back on track. And the Texans have been sufficiently inconsistent this year to make me think that they're not going to go put 53 on the board again. This is a better defense than the one the Falcons have. And and again, it's on the road in Kansas City. Deshaun Watson, Patrick Mahomes, a great matchup. I got a 27-20 Chiefs. That would have it under that 54 over under. But uh, I, I just think the Chiefs find a way to hold serve at home and avoid losing another game that would put them even in the loss column with the Raiders at two if they would lose this game to the Texans on Sunday. Yeah, I mean, hey, this is this is a really intriguing matchup. I mean, I think this is the game of the day on Sunday uh, with how it plays out right now. Watson versus Mahomes, it just doesn't get any better than that. Um, okay, so I look at it and go Chiefs offense versus Texans defense, and one, I worry about the Chiefs offensive line. Two, the Chiefs don't run the football, and this is not the week they're going to start it because the, the Texans are big up front and you're not running the ball on them. Um, I worry about – we don't know the Tyree Kill status yet. I can't imagine Sammy Watkins is going to be effective if plays at all with a hamstring injury that he's dealing with. So I worry about that. And also I worry the Chiefs really haven't played good in the last three weeks. That's what scares me a little. I mean, they had one quarter against the Raiders, okay, and then the rest of the game was kind of eh. The Lions game, very fortunate, okay. Last week, of course, didn't play well either. Um, the Texans, I just want to flip around the other side. The Texans' offense versus the Chiefs' defense. Again, the Chiefs' defense, as we know, not very talented, okay. They're better than years past, but not a whole lot better. And Chris Jones isn't going to be playing with a groin injury. I mean – That really concerns me uh, for the Chiefs team. I'm going with the upset here, okay? I'm taking the Houston Texans to win this football game. I think they match up. I'm a little worried about the Texans' pass defense. It is not great, but I think because there's no run game to worry about, I think they're going to give them a tough time and be able to pressure a Mahomes who will be less than 100%. And I'm going to say they win this one 31-27 Texans uh, and pull off the upset in Kansas City. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Gutsy. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it was one of those things just when the game came about and, you know, I realized they were playing when I just saw the schedule Monday. I just said, ooh, that's interesting. And I do think the Texans match up quite well with them and the Chiefs injuries do bother me. And uh, that's ultimately why I'm going with it. If the Texans win this game, 
Yeah. Number one, we think differently of the Texans moving forward. And number two, it's the Patriots and a cluster of who knows what. And it could be. Right. If the Texans win this game, it could be that the best two teams in the AFC are in the same division, the Patriots and the Bills. Yeah, it could be. I mean, the pa- the, the Bills, it's never going to be pretty. But I think they're at least in that conversation they will be a pain in the butt for no matter who they play because that defense is so special. And, you know, as long as Josh Allen doesn't go crazy and just have that one or two just full Tropic Thunder moment every game, they will be very dangerous. Um, okay, you ready to move to the next one? Barn burner. Washington Redskins, Miami Dolphins. Okay, Redskins favored by three and a half. It's in Miami over under at 41. Let's not waste people on planet Earth's time with this one. Let's make it quick. Let's keep it real simple. Washington gets that interim coach bump, and we see it all the time, and that's enough to make the difference. 23-17, Washington wins. Yeah, I, 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 I feel the same way. They have a little more talent on their team. Miami coming off the bye week, though, I do think you'll see a – a, a, you know, a last ditch effort. They're going to have some belief that maybe they can pull this game off, but uh, I'm with you. I'm going a little closer than that. I'm going to say the Redskins squeak it out 17 to 16 down in Miami, but find the way to win the football game. Nonetheless. Okay. Now we're going to it's Mike Florio's Minnesota Vikings versus the Philadelphia Eagles. Vikings favored by three at home over under 44. Kirk Cousins is back on track. He was on fire last week in New York. Diggs, Thielen, Cousins, they're back in the trust tree together. They all love each other once again. Will it last for another week or will the Eagles shit on that relationship? <laughs> um, and you know, you know, Kirk Cousins was so impressive last week for the now three and two Vikings in beating the now two and three Giants. He got a phone call from the president Whoa. on the bus to the airport. Did you know that? I did know that. I didn't. I didn't really read it all the way, but whatever. I don't know why you would call. I, I look. I don't. Let's not get ourselves don't even in start trouble. me on this subject let's just move on But i don't know why you would call kirk cousins to congratulate him for a week five win over a crappy giants team it's just it's just kind of strange to yeah. me all right and why would uh, you answer i'll second that too okay th- okay here we go um <laughs> i i think that this is one of those games that it feels like the vikings should win they're playing at home it's going to be loud it's going to be disruptive for the philadelphia offense and it's not being played at night so it doesn't feel like as big of a game for kirk cousins as maybe it otherwise would and last year Kirk Cousins went to Philly and beat the Eagles week five so for whatever reason he doesn't have that same you know sphincter tightness that we've seen against other (laughs) quote-unquote good teams and and I I think it's enough to make a difference I think you know this is it's the the Vikings formula is very simple and I've already mapped it out they're going to be seven and seven going into the last two games of the season and this is one of the games that I think they win they lose next week to the Lions they win this week against the Eagles and they're going to come out of this four and two thinking they're pretty damn good and that may last for a little bit but they, they, they just the defense I think is good enough at home it's going to be loud like I said, and the offense is clicking, and that Eagles defense has enough weaknesses in the in the front seven and in the back four that the Vikings offense can continue to move like it did last week. You know, like Adam Thielen said, you're not going to get 180 rushing yards every week. Right. You got to be able to pass when you don't. This is one of those weeks though where they'll get their 180 rushing yards. Yeah, I, I it, it, this is a, this is a tough one. First off, 
What's the status of Deshaun Jackson? I know it was looking like he was probably not going to play this week, but have you heard anything more there? That that, that is a factor for me. Uh, this is he's a- doing rehab. He's doing rehab practice, so I don't think he's going to be back this week. I don't yeah. know what the guy did it to his abdomen. That yeah. that's the that that's all that they're saying. And and Doug Peterson said something yesterday that suggested he's confused about what the injury even is. It's just it's very vague. And, and look, he's not a big guy, and he doesn't have a lot of bones there to protect his abdomen. And it's not like he's got a lot of fat there to protect his abdomen. Yeah. He's small and he's skinny. But I don't know whether he's got, you know, who knows? Is it, I, it is sounds it, like it's uh, sports hernia or something like that, groin-related well, maybe. Yeah, but, you know, is it that? Is it like a, a, a partially lacerated spleen or kidney? I mean, he's got something going on that they are very, very vague about and uh, yeah, I think it's lasted longer than they thought it was going to. But but he, I don't think he's going to be back this Sunday to answer your question. Uh, so don't factor him into your thinking yeah, in this one. I di- I didn't factor him in. I just wasn't sure exactly the status. I didn't expect them to play. I, I mean, this one's a tough one for me um, because I look at it like this and just go, man. Okay, I know the Vikings are at home. Uh, they can run the football. Dalvin Cook special, but man, I just have a hard time thinking they're going to be able to run the ball against this Philadelphia defense. That's one thing they are good at. They can stop the run in Philly. Now, the scary thing is the Philly secondary is still not 100%, and Philly did not look great last week in that Jets football game, and I understand it's the Jets, and it's hard to get yourself up for that type of game when you know you're the better team, but I do... You know, I wonder if this is another week Kirk Cousins and Diggs and Thielen because of the banged up secondary uh, of the Philadelphia Eagles that they don't have, you know, the advantage there. Is that Vikings offense of pass game creative enough to beat some of these guys in the Eagles secondary? That's really where the game factors to me. I don't know how I feel about that. I think the Vikings will give the Eagles offense a really tough time. The Eagles find a run game. You know, is that going to be something we see going forward? I mean, I felt like Thursday night against the Packers two weeks ago that they got something going. Last week they didn't need to rely on it. I'm going with the Eagles here. 23-20, I don't feel comfortable about it. I'm really – I think I'm just picking them because Doug Peterson, Carson Wentz, and I don't know if I have enough faith in the Vikings pass game yet to say they're going to get it done, Uh, but I don't feel good about it at picking Eagles 23-20. I got Vikings 27-21, and, and look, I, I'm the first one to be critical. I'm the first one to assume yes, the are. worst. Yes, you are. Next week, I'll assume the worst. This week, I'll assume the best. I think they win this one. Then they'll lose at the Lions. Then they'll beat Washington. Then they'll lose at Kansas City, and they'll lose at Dallas. All right, I got some business to take care of, okay? It's the NHL podcast, okay? Our line starts podcast, okay? With, you know, all the knuckleheads that we have here at NBC that work hockey, uh, especially Keith Jones and Jeremy Roenick. I mean, those are their knuckleheads, okay? They're awesome, hilarious. They probably will swear every bit as much as I do on my podcast, which is always going to make for a good listening. Uh, listen, uh, episode one dropped this week. Keith Jones, Jeremy Ronick telling stories like this one we're about to play for you right now. I once told Bob Probert I was going to kick his ass, and then he turned around <laughs> and oh, looked at man. our bench, and I pointed at Kevin Kaminsky, who was sitting beside me, and Kevin Kaminsky's like, what? And Probert looks at him. Kevin Kaminsky's next shift, he literally went on the ice. Probert 
grabbed him, no beat way. the living hell out of him, right? This is a true story. So I'm sitting on the bench. I go, I don't think Killer's going to be very happy with me right now, right? But he comes to the bench after he gets released from the penalty box, and he's still bloodied. I mean, there's there's still blood on his face. He comes over, and he goes, I go, yeah, sorry about that, Killer. He goes, that, what do you mean, sorry? That just made my life. It was my goal really? in life to fight Bob Probert. To says, get beat up by Bob thank Probert, you. really. So he thanked me for getting him, getting his ass kicked. And that's why that's going to be a good listen because there's a lot of personality on our line starts podcast. Episode one also has Pierre Maguire, his interview with George McPhee, the president of the Vegas Golden Knights. Download, subscribe, wherever you get your podcast. Check it out. It'll be worth it. Keith Jones, you know, apparently does not like that I button my top button, right? So I've heard that from many people within the company that he doesn't like it, that he wants to reach through the TV screen and unbutton it for me. He keeps telling people like that. You're going to have to fight me, okay, Keith Jones? And you don't want none of this. I'm just joking. Hey, you know what? Yeah, I, yeah, I, I would pay for that one. I, and I would not have your back. Not against <laughs> yeah. the hockey guys. I know. The hockey You're on guys your own are against crazy. The hockey guys. You're right. I know. I don't know if I would want to fight them either, even though they're older and not as strong as me. I'm still not sure. <laughs> you like how I'm taking shots as I'm giving them compliments? Um, oh, good. I hope I hope it goes down, and I hope, I hope I'm there to witness gonna, it, and I'll yeah, be doing thanks, this thanks. the whole time. The hockey guys be doing will gang up on time. me, and then the football guys will sit there and watch me get my ass kicked. That's cool. Thanks, and then, Mike. And then Milbury's going to come by and beat you. <laughs> right, with your own submission. shoe. <laughs> right. Uh, it might be how it goes down. Um, okay. Let's get to the four o'clock games. Okay. We got the Cardinals, the Falcons in Arizona. Falcons favored by two and a half. Falcons coming off that ugly game last week against the Texans. Cardinals get their first one of the year against the Cincinnati Bengals. Neither defense is very special. The Falcons defense really stinks. Um, what do you go? What do you, where are you going here, Mike? I officially have no faith in the Atlanta Falcons, and they've got the Rams and the Seahawks coming to town before the bye week. I think Dan Quinn is out after the Seahawks game unless they win one or both of those games against the Rams and the Seahawks. And this is one where I I think they they get caught napping. I think they assume they're going to go to Arizona and win, and there's kind of a funk around the team right now. And, and I don't know what it is. It may be a bunch of different reasons. They have a collection of high-priced talent that doesn't play well as a team together. Dan Quinn is feeling the heat. And I, I, that, that defense gave up 53 points last week in Houston. Kyler Murray and company, Cliff Kingsbury drawing it up. They see an opportunity to get another win here. And I think that they will. 30-27. to 27, I like what the Cardinals can do. I like that they went on the road and won in Cincinnati. And I feel like the Falcons really aren't that much better than the Bengals right now, even though they've got $22 million receiver Julio Jones and $30 million quarterback Matt Ryan. They've lost their way, and it's going to take a reset button to get it back. Yeah, lost their way. You're right. The defense is just pitiful. I mean, not only is the talent not that good. Gosh, how many plays I watched on film last week, Mike, where guys were talking as the ball's being snapped because they can't figure out their calls or their adjustments or who does what. I mean, those are things that concern me when I watch film. Um, Arizona, on the other hand, yes, things have been better. I still worry about their defense in general, okay? Uh, I do. I don't know if I feel comfortable either way. I'm taking the Falcons to win this football game. Anybody out there that's thinking about betting this game is crazy. Uh, These are bad football teams, and you should never bet on bad football teams. But I'm going to go with Ryan 
Ridley, Jones, that they just get it done in a shootout type of game back and forth. I'm going to go Falcons win it 34-31, but certainly wouldn't be shocked if it went the other way where Kyler Murray has the ball late and makes plays against that Falcons defense and they end up winning 37-34, whatever it may be. Uh, this wait, is a, wait a second, wait a second. Yeah. Wait a se- you, you say this all the time too, don't bet on bad teams. Wasn't the Falcons one of your best bets last week? Yeah, that was stupid. It was a bad bet. I, well, I also right. wasn't shocked. I wasn't worried. I was worried about the Texans defense last week that's really where I was kind of playing it that the Falcons would just keep scoring and stay close uh but no I ate that shit big time (laughs) okay on that note uh what do you got next 49ers Rams one of the games of the week uh undefeated San Francisco 49ers only undefeated team left in the NFC the Rams coming off a loss the second loss in a row Thursday night football against the Seahawks have extra time to prepare 49ers injuries concerning right Mike McGlinchey right tackle four to six weeks Kyle Juszczyk tight end slash fullback four to six weeks um this is a tight one. I like both of these teams. I think they're both very good, but uh, who do you see winning this one? Well, let me say this. If the 49ers win this game, if they beat the Rams on a short week for the 49ers, extra time for the Rams in L.A., yeah. with all those injuries that the 49ers are dealing with, if they win this game to go to 5-0, and I guarantee you their record will be 13-3 and or better for the season. This is one of those games that will cement special season for the 49ers if they can pull it off. Right. I don't think they'll be able to pull it off. I think the Rams are desperate, and we see that desperate teams find that reservoir, right? And now maybe Richard Sherman will come up with some some phony, made-up disrespect from Jared Goff or, or someone to get himself lathered up for the game that will cause the 49ers to, to win it. But I think this will be the Rams' day, with or without Todd Gurley. Jared Goff, we have underrated him. I have underrated him. I feel bad about that. He is a better quarterback than I thought he was. The system helps, yeah. but Goff can make the throws. He's been phenomenal the last two weeks. He has. They lost both games. Right. And uh, I think this is one the Rams. the Rams have to win this. I think Sean McVay has been obsessed since last Thursday night, the moment after Greg Zerline's kick, kick went wide which would have beaten the Seahawks they need this game they cannot fall to three and three especially if it means the 49ers going to five and oh yeah you said a lot of good things there um I I after the game the other night I mean first off your point about the 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 49ers they win this game they're 13 and three yeah I mean I I'm with you there the 49ers I've seen enough now to go forget the playoffs I know they're good enough to be in the playoffs. I think they're going to be in the conversation for a first first round bye. They're going to be in the conversation for a one or a two seed when we're in December. I really think that's where it's gone to. It's gone to, okay, I've seen enough to say they're in the playoffs somehow, some way, but I really think they're good enough to go and win the West and be the top team in the NFC. Um, now, I am concerned about the injuries, and I, I thought after Monday night's game, I said, I'm not picking against the 49ers like the rest of the year there's nothing to dislike about the football team the only thing we can question at this point maybe to a degree is if the run game and things don't work we have yet to have to see Jimmy Garoppolo carry the squad this might be one of those weeks that happens when I saw the use check McGlinchey injury the desperation factor like you talked about with the Rams the fact that they have extra days to prepare and it's a short week for the 49ers and they're feeling good 
I think the 49ers are the better football team. I do. I just think with the desperation and the injuries, I'm going to pick the Rams in a close one, 24-21. I don't think points will be real high scoring here just because I think that 49er defense is real, and I think they can slow down the attack of McVay and Goff as, as phenomenal as they have been. Um, but but uh, at the same time, those injuries against that Rams defensive line and Shanahan having to find a new formula on the offensive side of the ball, I think causes them to sputter just a little bit this week. Yeah, and keep this in mind, with that right tackle out, it's Daniel Brunskill from the AAF who has eight career NFL offensive snaps. He's never started an NFL regular season game. Yeah. And, you know, the thing about an offensive line, I mean, you can pay all the money you want to your left tackle or you can go out and splurge on a guard. You need to have five solid members of that offensive line because they're going to find that weak spot and they are going to pour defensive players no doubt. through that Dante spot. Dante Fowler is going to be over him all game long. And They'll Donald. put him out there. They'll flip Aaron Donald out there. They are going to do everything they can to exploit the fact that they got a guy who is going to be pissing his pants on, on Sunday. And look, if he performs well, if they can coach him up, credit to the 49ers. But that's going to be what Wade Phillips is trying to take advantage of. And uh, that, that means the other four guys may as well not be there. Yeah. If you've got a, a tiny little hole in the dam that is going to blow open – then it's going to be so hard for the 49ers to do what they want to do. Yeah, no doubt about it. It, it worries me too, and uh, along with the other things. I'm excited to watch that game. And uh, I yeah. got 35-28 Rams. 35-28. Okay, you see it a little more high scoring. Okay, good one. All right, now we got another good one. This is kind of a, a defensive battle, low scoring type of game as I look at, but the Titans at the Broncos. Okay, Titans. Uh, the, uh, the Broncos are favored by two and a half. The over-under is at 39. Denver coming off a big win in Los Angeles against the Chargers. The Titans coming off an ugly home loss against the Bills where, what were they, 0 for 4 on field goals? Not all of them were makeable. They were tough, some of them, but either way, they blew some opportunities there. Um, how do you see this going with two teams that are kind of like a roller coaster, especially the yeah. Titans? Chris, you, you can say all you want about this guy or that guy and that matchup, this matchup, last week. Look. The formula continues. I love it. When the Titans are favored, they lose. When they're the underdogs, they win. They're the underdogs, they win. Minus two and a half Broncos, give me the Titans straight up. This one's an easy one. And there's no rhyme or reason to it. There is just something about the Titans under Mike Vrabel. When they are playing a game they're supposed to lose, they get a stick up their ass and they find a way to win it. And then they come up against a team they're supposed to beat and the, 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 they just they, they flatten. Yeah, It's amazing to me. If they could ever figure out how to beat the teams they're supposed to beat, they would be unstoppable. Uh, and uh, they're not. But they will be on Sunday against the Broncos. I know the Broncos are 0-2 at home in both games they should have won. Yeah. But, you know, they got the, they got their win last week, so they don't have to worry about going 0-16. So maybe they'll be a little more relaxed, too. But I just think the Titans are a team that, that uh, teams overlook when they think they're going to beat them. And the Titans will win this game. They, they'll, you know, they'll be more consistent in the passing game, more consistent in the running game. they got a new kicker. Cody Parkey's back in the NFL. He's oh, the yeah. double doink uh, specialist. And uh, I, I just I – just, look, until this formula gets broken, I'm not going to waste any more time trying to break down Titans games. They're underdogs. They win. They're favorites. They lose. Yeah. So this week they win. And the score that I have picked basically pulled out of thin air or some other orifice, 17-13 Titans over Broncos. Yeah, I envision it being that type of game. Mike and uh, listen. Uh, I mean, sometimes your your thought your your gut is great. Uh, your gut is a great. Uh, it's got the spaghetti and the meatballs with uh, some bread that you wipe around the bowl at the end to finish it off, and it's a healthy gut. 
Um, yes, but I'm, I mean, with you, as far as a lot of the things you're saying, if I just had to get technical with the football aspect of it, you know, both of these teams very good on the defensive side of the ball. Um, the Titans defense, I just think against the Broncos offense is going to give that Broncos offense issues. They have a good secondary in Tennessee. I think that'll allow them to add extra resources to the run game of Denver, which is picked up with Philip Lindsay and company as of late. On the other side of the ball, I worry about the Titans offense versus the Broncos defense too, but I just think I'm going to put my faith a little bit more in Mariota, Derrick Henry, some of the receivers they got, A.J. Brown and company there in Tennessee, that they can just get it done. I think Cody Parkey hits the game-winning field goal to win it. 19-16 Titans, uh, they pull off the upset on the road. Okay, Cowboys-Jets. Let's not waste our time. We both think the Cowboys are going to win. Cowboys are favored by 7.5 points on the road against the New York Jets. Sammy the Savior is back, so at least that gives the Jets a fighting chance. Um, over under at 44.5, and, and like I said, the Cowboys are favored by 7.5. Michael Florio, what do you see? My first thought when I saw the spread for this game, and when I first saw the spread, it was at 7, so it's moved by a half point, which doesn't surprise me. 7 isn't enough. Even though the Cowboys have lost their last two games, we've seen the formula for the Cowboys this year. The, if, if you are not a good team, they are going to dismantle you. They're going to be able to run their offense the way they want to run it. They're going to build a lead, and they're going to suffocate you, and they're going to break your spirit. And the Cowboys desperately need this one to get to 4-2 and two with the Eagles coming to town next weekend on Sunday Night Football. I think it's 34-20. I think the offense works this week. And even though Sam Darnold is back, look, it's not like they were great before he was gone. And uh, they got a long way to go. Their offensive line stinks. Their defense isn't where it needs to be. I think the Cowboys win this one. It's amazing to me still that this is the big CBS late afternoon game. When Rams and 49ers is going on at 4.05 p.m. Eastern, it's going to be Jets and Cowboys on CBS for the huge national audience because it's the Cowboys, even though the Jets are winless. It should not be a good game. It should be Cowboys by at least double digits. I, I like it 34-20. to 20. Yeah, I hear you there. Um, and to promote, the PFTPM podcast this week. Mike Florio did have a one Dak Prescott on this week. Did an interview with him. I know I caught a few minutes of it. Uh, sounded like it was pretty good. I mean, Dak Prescott, I really respect him. Uh, and that's worth the listen out there. Anybody check out the PFTPM podcast. Mike always has, uh, not always, but most weeks has, has a few good interviews on there with some stars around the NFL. And Mike deep dives into a lot of different issues that are going on around the NFL. Mike is an asshole, but he's pretty good at hosting shows and podcasts. Okay. Now, Cowboys. That's the nicest thing you've ever said to me. I know. I know. So, Cowboys, I'm with you. I don't have much else to say or add to the conversation. You know, I think, oh, the Cowboys are going to be missing both of their offensive tackles. Yeah, okay. Maybe that slows down their dominance a little bit, but the Jets don't have the pass rushers to really expose that aspect. Hang on. Yeah. Dr. Jerry Jones, I think, said earlier this week he expects that they'll both be back this week. He weekend, thinks they're going to be back? Okay. So if they but are. That's, that's Jerry Jones. Right. Okay. So either way, I, I, I have a hard time thinking the Jets can move the ball on this Cowboys defense. Jets, not a lot of weaponry. Uh, they need to be a little more creative, I think, on the offensive side of the ball, too. And we know the, Je the, the Cowboys defense is phenomenal. Phenomenal. And they're going to be pissed off in Dallas with the way they laid an egg at home last week against Green Bay. I'm going Cowboys 27 to 13. And I think it's like an ugly 27 to 13. I'm like, it's 27 to seven with like seven minutes left in the game. And the Jets get two field goal drives late to make it look like it's something, something along those lines, but fully expect them to dominate the football game. And that 
will take me to promoting the Sunday Night 7, brought to you by Mike Florio. Make sure to play the all-new Sunday Night 7 on NBC Sports Predictor. You make seven simple predictions. $100,000 is up for grabs each and every contest. Here's a quick sampling of what is on tap this week, the various categories from which you choose. Most rushing yards, James Conner, Melvin Gordon, Austin Eckler, any other Steelers player, or any other Chargers player. And if you're thinking any other Steelers player, remember, you don't have Jalen Samuels. He's got a knee problem. It would be, is it Benny Snell? Is that his name? Benny Snell? The rookie from Kentucky. Right, exactly That's right. Uh, but uh, I don't know. Who do you like out of those, Chris? Um, as far as the runners for most rushing yards, I'm going to go. This is going to be a Melvin Gordon week. I think they got to run the football in Los Angeles because, first off, their pass-protecting O-line has got issues. Pouncey just got hurt, and this front four for the Steelers is still legit to where I think they got to run the ball and stay patient with it if they just want to make sure that Stephon Tuitt and Hayward and Dupree and Watt don't ruin the game uh, and cause you know sack-strip fumbles and things like that to where the uh, Steelers would pull some type of upset off. Well, the Steelers haven't been able to run the football out of traditional sets because the passing game isn't scaring defenses enough. Uh, yep. you know, they, so, so they're able to clog the running lanes and not worry about the receivers getting open down the field. The Chargers are going to be running into the teeth of a very good defense, and Mike Pouncey's out for the year on IR. That's going to affect the running game for the Chargers. I'm going other Steelers player, and I'm going to predict that Devlin Hodges, if he starts – is going to be the leading rusher in the game. Wow. Uh, we, we saw him. He had 20, uh, 20 yards on two carries last year. He's, or last week, rather. He's kind of a poor man's Baker Mayfield. And I think what we'll see is Hodges using his feet to buy some time, not having a guy open, and he's going he's gonna to decide to tuck the ball and run it. And I think it's going to allow him to have more yards than anyone else if he plays. They're still holding out hope for Mason Rudolph. I just don't. What? You know, I just think. And this, get, this, gets into, this gets into NFL politics. Yeah. I think that a phone call is going to get made at some point from the league office to the Steelers saying you cannot play Mason Rudolph this week, right. not after what happened last week. I don't care if he's cleared this protocol and that protocol. and No, he can't play this week after what happened last week. So I think it will be Devlin Hodges, and I think he'll be the leading rusher. Yeah, okay. All right, that's that's good. Uh, and just so we know, we had somebody who won some money last week on the Sunday Night 7 as well. Um, I can't remember the name. Does somebody want to say that? Maggie. Maggie, who was was a Vikings fan, okay. Uh, Maggie, the Vikings fan, got all seven correct, and I, and I, she's the first person to get all seven correct, and I think she won what was it, fifty thousand, fifty thousand dollars for Maggie, the Vikings fan. Uh, enjoy that money, spend it. It's on NBC. I think Floria, you should send her some money too, just because you're a Vikings fan, and that's what a nice person should do. Well, and you have so much money, I, and you're rolling in it over there in West Virginia. I need I need to point out I have a niece named Maggie, but she is not a Vikings fan, so it's not her. She is a long suffering Browns, Browns fan, fan who was talking right. a lot of a lot of shit early in the year. Yeah. She texted me before the first game, Super Bowl run starts today, and I said, You're losing to the Titans today, and she was not happy with that. And she checked out early on Monday night. So Browns fans coming back to reality. Yep, Browns fans coming back to reality, uh, and they could be really in reality after this weekend. All right, let's get to that Steelers Chargers game uh chargers favored by seven points at home 41 and a half is the over under um go ahead mike you want to lead it off yeah you know i i was leaning chargers 
last night, and then I saw the story from The Athletic about the fights that happened at practice yesterday for the Steelers, and, you know, they're irritated, they're agitated, they're chippy. But then when I read it and thought about it, it suggests dysfunction, not an overriding decision for everyone to come together and go out and win a football game. It was the defense deliberately making the practice more aggressive with the offense. Players on the offense are pissed about it. And I think as time passes, the offensive players are going to realize this wasn't just the defensive players going rogue. The coaching staff's trying to push some buttons and pull some strings and instigate some stuff. And and I just think that that it it will make things worse, not better for the Steelers as they try to turn a bad season around. And and Mike Tomlin's getting desperate to do anything he can to avoid falling to one and five. But I think it is going to be one and five for the Steelers. I think the Chargers win by seven. The score I've picked basically out of thin air, 24 to 14, 10 point win for the Chargers. You know, I don't feel strongly about it. And it won't surprise me if the Steelers play well, because I remember two weeks ago, I thought the Steelers would lose to the Bengals on Monday Night Football and a different Steelers team showed up than what I expected. I just think after last week, losing that game, everything they went through with Mason Rudolph, the fight from this week, I just think there are deeper problems with the Steelers that are not going to be fixed. And the Chargers still have that glimmer of hope. The Steelers don't. The Chargers do. And I think the Chargers get their act together after losing an ugly one last week and they pull off the victory. Yeah, I mean, can the Steelers run the ball? I mean, can they find a way to run the freaking football? That's one of the most disappointing things, I think, about the offensive side of the Steelers this year. Yeah, I know there's no Le'Veon Bell and Antonio Brown, you know, but what's really being shown is the loss of Mike Munchak, the offensive line coach who went to Denver, is really the thing that bothers me. Not only are they not run blocking well, you know, there's just no drive off the ball, and I don't get the feeling the team is dedicated to the run either. Like, it's just, this must be a lot of practice all week in the shotgun and working on the passes and all those things. And uh, that's been disappointing. And it's disappointing, especially when you talk about this matchup, because the Chargers, you can run on this football team. They, they, they do not have great size in the interior part of their defense. There's no Melvin Ingram. There's no Derwin James. They have small linebackers. Um, there's issues right there right now with that Chargers defense. It's not special. And I think Devlin Hodges... Like, as far as the pass game's concerned, it's going to be better than with, with Mason Rudolph. I, I think Devlin Hodges is a better quarterback and thrower than Mason Rudolph. I do. Um, so I think they can, they can move the ball a little that way and be somewhat effective. The other thing is I flip it around to the other side, and I go, man, I worry about the Chargers and their O-line against the Steelers' front. The Steelers' front is still really awesome. But what I get scared about with the Steelers, Mike, is in the secondary – and in coverage, they do stuff that just uh, you just can't do some weeks, and I don't understand it. I just don't understand how Devin Bush can be running 20 yards downfield with guys like Willie Sneed or Hollywood Brown and get matched up that way. And that scares me against the Chargers, who have a lot of different ways to throw the football, even though I'm not crazy about their pass protection. I'm going to pick the Chargers to win a close one. I think they're just going to eke this out. 20-17 to 17 Chargers at home. I think the Steelers give one last spirited effort here and make things tough, but just can't pull it out. Yeah, you're threading the needle again. I, I don't know if you've gone six times this week, but you've had several of them where you're taking three times, only three this week. Maybe you've learned your lesson Maybe a little I bit. Have. But, uh, yeah, I look, and, and I'm, I almost changed my pick while I was listening to you because I'm thinking that that stadium is going to be overrun by Steelers fans. Right, right. 
I just I just don't think it's enough. I, yeah. At this point, I don't think it's enough. I think what happened with Mason Rudolph last year took something out of – or last week took something out of the Steelers. The way the game ended, it took something out of the Steelers. The fight from yesterday, the way it's been characterized, it, it just makes me think there's dysfunction that is creeping in, and uh, I just think the Steelers are headed for a bad spot. Yeah, I hear you. I, I totally can see that. I mean, it's not, it's not crazy. It, it would scare me to bet on this game. All right. Monday Night Football. We got a good one. NFC North Battle. It's Rodgers versus Stafford, the Lions, the Packers. It's funny. They're, they're, the Rodgers and, and Stafford are really not the stars of this matchup right now, even though they're the stars, because both of these teams have become run-first, let's-play-defensive-type football teams. But either way, the Packers are favored by four-and-a-half at home after their impressive win last week uh, against the Dallas Cowboys on the road, over-under at 47. Lions coming off the bye week. Uh, what do you think, Mike? Yeah, you know, I, the bye week concerns me because I think Matt Patricia is putting something special together with Detroit, and they've had a good season so far this year, and they've been the most overlooked team in the NFC, maybe in the entire NFL yeah. so far this season. But I, the Packers at home, and, and Aaron Rodgers has it clicking, and the offense is working, and uh, I, I think we're seeing the Packers begin to separate, and this is really the best way they can separate from the Pack in the NFC North. This will complete the sweep on the first pass through of their NFC North competitors and uh, I, I like the Packers in this one 27 to 21 I, I think that Aaron Jones will continue to move the ball well Aaron Rodgers will continue to throw it well the defense needs to they need to avoid this this formula we've seen of they get a lead and then they have to hold on for dear life right um they, they need to clamp down on the opponent uh, it, it it blew up in their faces against Philadelphia it almost got them against Minnesota it it kind of made it interesting in Dallas when it shouldn't have been, but that defense needs to be able to shut the door and maybe the offense needs to have the killer instinct to add that one last touchdown that right. makes it insurmountable, but I like where the Packers are right now, and I think they're going to win this game and move to 5-1. and one. Yeah, I, I like uh, I like where the Packers are too. I like where really both teams are at. I mean, you're right. I mean, you know, the Lions are exceeding a lot of people's expectations and really could probably have a better record if you sit here and look at it. I mean, that was at least that tie week one where they blew it. They should at least have that off their resume and have an extra win on the, on the, on the uh, stat sheet. Um, oh, they, 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 had the, they could have beaten the Chiefs. Think the, of how we would feel about the Lions right now if they had beaten the Chiefs going into their bye. No, no doubt about it. You're right. I mean, it was there to be had. They certainly had their opportunities to win that game, put it away, didn't make it happen. Okay, I mean – this is – I do worry about the bye week, like you said, with Matt Patricia, okay, the way he can coach defenses, the way he can break down offenses, the Packers passing offense, which is a little bit elementary still. You know, I think he's going to be able to have a beat on the drop-back pass game. But where the Packers are different than years past is the run game and the play action and some of that aspect. And the Lions want to play man-to-man. Uh, now, I'm worried about Devontae Adams, you know, his toe issue. Even if he plays, I still think it's going to be an issue to where he won't be a totally 100%. And that scares me a little, too, because that increases the Lions' ability to play man-to-man -man and be effective that way. Um, but the Lions have had trouble stopping the run, and the Packers are going to stay patient with the run. Um, now, on the other side of the ball, I worry about a lot of the same things with the Packers' defense. Packers' defense, I don't feel good about their run defense. I love their linebackers and everything like that, but their interior D linemen, other than Kenny Clark, I don't love them. 
and they can get moved around, and we've seen them gashed in the run game. And I think they would have got gashed last week if they didn't get up to a huge start and Dallas had to you know, abandon the run in general. Uh, I do worry about that. And then I worry about the Packers playing too much man-to-man against Matt Stafford and Marvin Jones and Kenny Galladay and TJ Hawkinson, who I think will be back after his concussion. I am picking the Packers to win this game, and I, I didn't want to because I really want to pick the Lions. But I'm picking the Packers to win 21 to 20 only because they're home and it's Aaron Rodgers. I think this will be a tough one, but I think Rodgers is going to have to make like late game magic to pull this one out. So another needle threading for it you. Is. That's four for week six. Four needle and, threaders. Uh, and, and I, you know, look, we're going to do our best bets. I, I don't feel strongly about the Packers covering in this one, but uh, I do think that they win. And uh, it should, I, I'm just hoping for a good game. Yeah. Because Thursday night's game is not going to be good. Sunday night's game could be good, but it doesn't really entail a couple of playoff teams. This is a big NFC North fight on Monday night. That you know, there's going to be a lot of these great games in the NFC North this year. All four teams are above 500, and there's already been some of that that uh, that infighting, and they've been some good games so far. And I think we're going to get another one on Monday night. Yep. All right. I'm I'm pumped for that game too. All right. Let's do it. Here we go. Are you ready? Let's recap our best bets, or let's actually just tell them first. We haven't told anybody, so we can't recap it. But let's go. Best bets. Pick number one for Michael Joseph Florio is. It's not Joseph. Oh. It's not Joseph. What's your middle I'm name again? I'm riding with the. James, I'm riding with the Patriots again. The Patriots to cover. The th- the spreads are big, and I know there was that that weird garbage time pick six that Jared Stidham threw that kept them from covering a and big a spread against fumble. the Jets. That, that was another thing that happened against the Jets. Yeah. I mean, they screwed it up. Yeah. Sorry, go ahead. But but I but I like them. I like them to cover the big spread, the 17 point spread against the Giants. I think the score I picked was 34 to 13. So best bet number one for me. I'm going Thursday night again. I like. The Patriots. I'm going with the Patriots too. That'll be pick number one for me as well. I pick a 34 to 10. Uh, it might not even be that pretty or whatever, but I think ultimately, yeah, 16 and a half points is just not enough for me. The Patriots win this one easy. So I'm with you there. Okay, we both got the Patriots. Best bet number two with Michael James Florio. Best bet number two for me. Let me make sure I do them in the right order. Best bet number two for me, the Dallas Cowboys Ooh. giving seven and a half. I feel like the spread should be bigger. I don't care if the tackles don't play. Dr. Jerry Jones says they will. I think the Cowboys are a much better team than the Jets and the Cowboys looking to maybe, maybe, you know, wash that bad taste out of their mouths for the last two games. Maybe take it out on the Jets a little bit, rebuild some confidence before they host the Eagles next Sunday night. I like the Cowboys to win that one by more than seven and a half. Yeah, I, I, I hear you there. That was one that I had starred where I thought about doing it. And really, as a, as you just said it, I go, why am I not doing it is the question. I don't even know if I have an answer other than I'm just a little scared that Sammy Darnold could maybe give the Jets a little boost that way to where they think they're good for maybe three quarters. Um, my second bet of the week will be the New Orleans Saints. The New Orleans Saints are getting one point. The Jaguars are favored by one at home. I think the Saints are going to win this football game. Uh, as much as I like the Jaguars and some of the things they do, I think the Saints match up really well with the Jaguars. I don't think that the Jaguars will be able to run the football. I like what I, you've heard me say. The Saints have adjusted their play in the secondary, and I just think Teddy Bridgewater and company will be able to do enough on the offensive side of the ball where I pick the Saints to win the game 28-20. to 20. Uh, So that really gives me a nine-point cushion there overall. Uh, so that's the New Orleans Saints will be my second bet of the week. Now, uh, Shad Khan, the owner of the Jaguars, has said, and this just hit while we were taping this, that Jalen Ramsey will play on Sunday. Does that affect your thinking? 
Ooh, yes, it does. Damn, that's that really scary. I should have kept I should have kept my mouth shut. It's all right. I'm gonna stick with it. I'm gonna stay there. But that that is that is a little bit of a game changer. And just this this is why for everyone that's out there because now Michael Thomas can be singled up by Jalen Ramsey, and now you can use linebacker and safety combinations to cover Alvin Kamara as he comes out of the backfield or Jared Cook on some of his routes. And that's where it gets a little scary overall because yeah, Jalen Ramsey can be trusted to be on an island versus Michael Thomas. But either way, I'm still going to stick with the Saints. I think the Saints are rolling and one of the better teams in the NFL. Okay. One quick point on that. One quick point on that. Isn't it odd that the owner of the team has taken such a visible role in talking about Jalen Ramsey and Tom Coughlin, the executive VP of football operations, is nowhere to be seen? Yeah, uh, I think that speaks to the relationship they're at and the owner's trying to smooth things over with a guy that he knows is a star and a special player for the franchise and they and they drafted him and really you know other than a few emotional outbursts during games Jalen Ramsey's been a, a good Jaguar I mean gosh oh he's a cocky corner hmm, we've never seen one like that in the NFL we've never seen a cocky corner before I don't understand why people don't like Jalen Ramsey at times I don't get it I mean why because he yells at the receiver when he shuts them down for the seventh time in a row in the past game I mean that's what a corner should do it's only the hardest physically like thing to do on earth oh hey cover the fastest people in the world on this thing that's a hundred feet a hundred yards long and 52 and a half third yards wide just cover them man to man and don't let them ever get open I mean, gosh, damn, how hard is that? I mean, and he does it, so that's why uh, he's cocky, okay? Now, let me just add this yeah. observation. I'm gonna yeah. do, I'm gonna, then I'll give you my, my last best yeah. bet. I, I think that Tom Coughlin will be retiring after the season. I, I think that, that the fact that Shad Khan has been so intent yeah. on keeping Jalen Ramsey around, my guess is Khan has talked to Ramsey. Ramsey's told his story about the interaction that pissed him off with Coughlin that made him want to leave, and I think Khan is realizing I got to pick one or the other here, and I want Ramsey. And I think Coughlin probably feels like the owner isn't in his corner enough, and it probably irritates him that Ramsey wasn't disciplined more heavily or whatever the case may be. I just think that Coughlin's going to walk away after the season, and the, and the Jaguars probably want him to. All right, my last my I last think best you're right you there, though. though the writing, the writing, I think the writing's on the wall a little bit there. I'm with you. Go ahead. All last right, my bet. last best bet. I'm, go- I'm going back to the formula that works, man. I changed it up, too. I was going to go Chiefs, but I thought about it. I'm going Titans because the Titans win when they're the underdog and they lose when they're the favorite. And they're the underdog in Denver this week. I like the Titans to win the game. So give me the Titans as one of the best bets. It's that simple. Okay. All right. That's uh, that, that's scary, but okay. You can have it. Um, I am going with the game. you. Ju- I thought about, let me just say this. I thought about the Lions, okay? Because I think there's a real chance the Lions can upset Green Bay and Green Bay. But I just don't trust it, and I'm not going to pick against Aaron Rodgers. And it's just not quite enough points. I could see the Packers being down by a point and Rodgers driving them down to score a touchdown late, and they win by more than four and a half. So that scares me. I'm going with the, te- with the Houston Texans on the road. Getting, getting five points. Chiefs favored by five. I don't think there's any way the Texans lose by more than five. And I really think the Texans are going to win this football game. I think with the injuries the Chiefs have uh, and the way the Texans team's built, you know, yeah, I worry about their secondary against the Chiefs passing game. But that's this. I have the same feeling on the other side of the ball. And the Chiefs are not at 100% on the offensive side of the ball. I got the Texans winning the game 31-27, and that will be my third best bet of the week. 
I now kind of wish I had stuck with the Chiefs because yeah, then we'd have head a clear head-to-head. Yes. Head. We haven't had one of those yet. No, I know. That would have been nice. But all right, that's it. You the man, Michael. Uh, everybody check out the PFTPM podcast. Mike, his posse, they're always funny. Um, and Chris Sims, unbuttoned. You know where to find it. Anywhere you download your podcast, you shall see my symbol of a man buttoned up with a football head. Um, Mike, I'll see you Sunday. Have fun not working the next few days. Don't worry. I'll just be working oh, yeah. all day long. Fuck yourself. Safe, safe See travels. You Thank safe you. travels. Get home and pack pack your underwear and your your T-shirts and yes. your, your shirts. You're going to button all the way to the top and enjoy South. You know, you're going to South Bend. You're going to the cradle of college football. Enjoy yes. yourself. I will enjoy myself. And go fuck yourself. Okay, good. Fuck yourself, too. I will enjoy <laughs> Hold on, though. We won't be done yet anyways. We'll probably have to do nine more things before I get out of the building here at NB State. So fuck everybody, okay? We're out of here. See ya. <laughs> <laughs>